0: This episode is presented by Wild CBD. Wild produces the best tasting edibles on the market using real fruit and all natural flavoring. With flavors inspired by the Pacific Northwest, high quality ingredients, real fruit and consistent dosing. Wild has become one of the leading cannabis edible producers in the country. Wild's new CBD line currently offers real fruit inspired gummies in blackberry, huckleberry, lemon and raspberry and CBD infused sparkling water in raspberry, lemon, blackberry and blood orange. Each gummy is dosed with 25 milligrams of CBD and can be purchased in a bottle of 10 or 20. Wild CBD is offering our listeners 30% off their next purchase from wildcbd.com. That's w y l d c b d.com by using the code P O D that's code P O D for 30% off your next purchase. Wild CBD products are intended only for the use by individuals aged 18 and older Wild CBD products should only be consumed as directed on the label and should not be used if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. All wild CBD products are made with ingredients containing 0% THC. Consult with a health professional prior to using wild CBD in combination with any medications or other dietary supplements. It's at 15 frames per second, but it's better than before. Okay. Well, we're recording anyways, so that's all good. I don't know. I don't know what I did. Did something. Anyways, welcome to putting you over, Ryan. Can you hear me? I can definitely hear you. Awesome. You can hear I, I can hear you. You're a little low on my end. How is he for you, Vanessa? Uh, A a little low, but I think it might be... I've had that issue before. You just got to talk like right into
1: that little microphone. <laughs>
0: um awesome all right here's what i'll do let me go check the levels on that as well uh i apologize usually we're uh semi-prepared but we're not um but anyways uh for the people who maybe be able to hear us definitely will be able to to, to, or maybe see us definitely hear us i am going to crank them up chunks ryan why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh you know basically why we have you here tonight
1: levy uh i'm a documentary filmmaker producer and i have been for the last three and a half years working on a documentary called out in the ring which looks at the lives of lgbtq plus uh, professional wrestlers and the history of representation in professional wrestling. that's like that's really good and so three years this has been a long project in the making uh, almost, actually, almost, probably getting closer to four years by the time we're uh, we're finished. Uh, but it's been about three and a half years, uh, and that that's just the uh, period of time where we're shooting and filming uh, the uh, the documentary. But uh, it's been in gestation for longer than that, so we could even go five, six years.
0: Six, wow! Nice. Five, six years down the road when you you came up with this.
1: You know, I mean, it was a different... It's kind of a different story. I mean, you know, I'd always, uh, you know, as a wrestling fan, having grown up and being somebody who was part of the LGBTQ community, uh, I was always wondering why there was a lack of representation or visible representation. And so with that, uh, I began exploring, you know, when I started the project, we we didn't have a whole lot of out-open talent at that point. There had been some indie stars like Simon Sermon and... uh, so We knew about Pat Patterson yep. and a few other uh, characters. Uh, but it really wasn't until um, we had the moment where uh, you know, Fred Rosser had come out in WWE, when he was there as Darren Young yep. in his TMZ, that we saw that kind of shift uh, in terms of representation of the characters uh, or people, personas, I guess, of people uh, in wrestling. Stuff. Certainly, they're not characters uh, in their lives. Uh, In, in wrestling, of course, we've not seen that representation, so that shifted everything. And now we're here; we are in twenty twenty, where we've seen you know a you know there's at least a hundred that we know of out uh, professional wrestlers currently working, and uh, likely more. Uh, I'm always fi- I'm finding out more and more every day, uh, just doing through you know through outreach and just social media.
0: Yeah, I I think. Uh... I think um what what's great about uh today the wrestlers that are out today is uh it's accurate uh, representations uh for them like uh because they were they were represented before in wrestling but uh maybe not as accurate and as maybe like the total opposite uh way um, if represented at all but uh, I think uh you know people like uh you know Effie's big gay brunch uh I mean that's huge for for the community
1: Absolutely and, it yeah. is and I mean the, the truth is is that there really wasn't accurate representation because yes. there was nobody on the card who was out uh certainly not in WWE um uh, you know Pat Patterson was basically you know out in plain sight uh, Right you know out you know um you know he was hiding in plain sight People knew behind the scenes, but he wasn't out to fans. Uh, likewise, people like Susan Green, Sandy Parker in the 70s, uh, with the exception of people like Jim Barnett, who was out all the time as a promoter, and maybe somebody like Chris Colt, who was never in the closet and was consistently out. But even though he was out, he was still frequently used as you know either an enhancement or mid-card talent at best, right. and often not booked by promoters. Part of that was also the fact that he was struggling with so many demons uh, involving drugs and alcohol and and things like that. So he was a bit of a loose cannon. But you know, some of that also had to do with the fact that he he was an openly gay wrestler in the nineteen seventies.
0: Um, th- this documentary, it. it it uh because people know the history of wrestling or at least uh have a a grasp of it but you also open their eyes that it goes back even farther and uh the the gay community uh has a lot that it influenced like it played a part in in the growth of it way back like all the way back to the 40s
1: right this, this does go back to the nineteen forties. I mean, representation starts there, you know, with people like uh, you know Virginia Davis, and we go through to uh, you know sixties and seventies. I mean, you've got Jim Barnett. Uh, you've got representation like Gorgeous George, but you also in the seventies had you know you you did have performers that were you know like Pat Patterson and Susan Green and, and Sandy Parker, Chris Gold, uh Ernie Roth, the you know the, the Grand Wizard, you know, you know the, the manager. And then you also had, you know, in Mexico you had the exoticos. You had people like Pretty Reina and you know, and those people who were working in wrestling. And you know, that goes through to now. Um, it's never been really, you know, if the problem was, is that we've never discussed the history uh, of the representation. And for unless you're somebody who's in the know, right, in, in the spirit of professional wrestling or in the uh, understanding of professional wrestling you were not aware that there was, you know, it was LGBTQ talent. I mean, you can assume to some extent that it was there, but, you know, but in terms of, uh, LGBTQ characters, they've always been successful, pretty predominant, but primarily used to, you know, to put over talent or to be, or to perform as heels. I mean, people like, you know, Adrian Adonis, I was just Adrian thinking,
0: Street, yeah,
1: um, you know, we're, we're there and, you know, there's, but there's also been a history of cultural appropriation. I mean, you can't not look at, you know, Adrian Adonis in the 1970s in a studded leather jacket, you know, walking around in leather, you know, or the road warriors, you know, looking like they've walked out of a, you know, a common Finland painting, uh, that that's been there and it's, it's not lost on it. Um, on a lot of people and certainly LGBTQ wrestlers of an era uh, the older ones know this more than you know the current crop of younger talent they, you know, they're they're hopefully going to get a bit of a history lesson as well uh, you know in interviewing many of them they were not aware of the legacy that goes with something like this, or something like Susan Green and you know they, they know Pat Patterson because right. he's been such a integral part of uh, the creation of the current product that you know the WWE has right now—he's been there for so long, and he's still held in such high regard.
0: Um, Susan Green, like you were saying, the 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 uh, younger talent of today—you've been interviewing them, informing them about—I don't know who Susan Green is. Uh, enlighten me.
1: Well, Susan Green was a uh, was was trained by Joe Blanchard. In the- Late nineteen sixties, early seventies. Okay. Uh, she started training when she was 15, 16 years old. Uh, she worked for Moolah. Uh, she worked across all the territories, including for the WWWF uh, Former NWA Women's Champion, uh, Women's Tag Team Champion, and has you know has a, has a legacy you know uh, of years. I mean, she's been wrestling since you know since sixty nine. Uh, first match was against a woman by the name of Maria Deleon. She's um you know. Work, you know, she uh, went to her first gay bars with Pat Patterson and Louis Dondoni. Uh, wrestled in Japan and has over thirty, you know, has over forty years experience wow. um, in in business. And to this day, I mean, she's recovering from some knee surgery, but she still trains wrestlers. She's in her late sixties now. Um, up until you know some injuries recently and in surgeries, she was still wrestling. Uh, on a on a semi you know a, a semi you know a semi part time basis, and still training wrestlers. Um, she has so many stories, so much history, and knows you know knows the talent. Uh, for uh for the film, she is kind of our you know our classic Greek chorus. By the time we would have got to Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson had kind of decided that since he'd already put out his book he'd already done another documentary for wwe but he really didn't feel like he wanted to revisit that story and out of respect to pat patterson we we kind of let that go however we do talk to Bertrand bear who did write accepted and was his biographer so he kind of fills in uh some of those holes that um by not having pat's physical uh voice there uh can answer a lot of those questions so between susan and pat uh and bertrand and uh, other um, veteran wrestlers, who you know, uh, historians like Greg Oliver and uh, Vandal Drummond, they fill in kind of the the historical context that is the um, the history of uh, LGBT representation.
0: Of wrestlers. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about. I mean, you saying the name Susan Green was the first time I I heard that name. Um, and uh, that's interesting stuff. It's, uh, I I think where we are today, uh, with, with, uh, with wrestling in this population, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a a reflection of where we are in, in the world in general. I guess that's my opinion, I guess. Uh, um, and it's, it's, uh, where was I, where was I going with this? Um. We have Effie's big Game brunch. We have a ton of wrestlers out, like you said at the start. Um, but there's probably even twice as many more who are not out yet. Would be my assumption. Am I wrong in that assumption?
1: No, I, I think there's many wrestlers that are not out, and you know, and they will come out at their own time. But yeah. what's 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 really refreshing is is that we are seeing a young, a group of young wrestlers that are coming of age and coming out in the wake of things like Effie's Big Day Brunch and Paris' Bumping and Butch vs. 4, uh, those were all very important uh, events. And we have some LGBTQ promotions as well, like Pride Championship Wrestling out of Texas we work with. Um, and, you know, so, you know, it's, you know, it's there. I mean, there are those, you know, there are some promotions that are working. You know, Hood Slam, of course, being run by um, an openly trans woman. Yeah. Uh, who's an amazing wrestler? I love the Dark Sheet. she's amazing, and you know she brings you know. And that's another thing that we are just starting to see now is the um you know the rise of trans and non-binary performers, yeah, uh, and gender fluid performers like Sunny Kiss. So yeah. it's becoming it's becoming really you know it's becoming an interesting time for wrestling, and the hope is is that you know when when Effie spoke out at the uh, the Rise show a year ago in June. Saying when 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 Pride Month is over, are we gonna are we gonna give a shit?
0: Uh-huh. Are
1: we gonna care anymore? Are we gonna continue to book out talent all outside the season? And you know we've yet to see that beyond some of the you know you know again the events that have made the most noise in the last little while have been either uh, Pride events run by primarily straight people or special events put on by people like Effie and Billy Dixon, uh, what what we need to see now is that these you know that these these talents are being booked outside of those shows and that they are being booked on a general card. So that when I go see a you know a game changer show that there are two or three out talents on there. You know, um, that it's you know that you know when I go to see a Greek town show here in Canada, that it's more than just Sunny Kiss and Killian, that it is huh. other people and that those workers are there um some of those promotions are great. You know, Greek town is very good about bringing in, you know, talent and and but you know, highlighting that. But there are, you know, for every Greek town and every rise and every, you know, game changer wrestling, you know, there's you know, there's promotions out there that aren't booking any LGBTQ. And and you know, they wanna get to a point where, you know, they wanna have a safe space and they wanna have a space where they can be highlighted, but they also wanna be able to work cards work up and down the card. And, and they bring something to the table that's unique because they're bringing an honesty and a truth that, uh, you know, to their persona that maybe other performers don't have. I mean, they're living, you know, they're living in a way and it's, and there's something to be said about living, living your truth, uh, because when you're a performer, um, you're not hiding anymore. Uh, There's nothing to hide. I mean, if you're in the closet, you're, you're playing, you're, you're basically pretending to be something that you're and you're keeping something hidden inside. When you're out, there's something about that freedom that makes, you know, that that liberates you as a performer. Uh, It brings an honesty and a truth. And it also presents outwardly an example of you too can be an out. You you too can come out. You too can be out and be open and be working and wrestling and holding championships. And we need to see more of that. And we need to see as much representation as possible, you know, Mike Perro is extremely different from you know from Effie. Yes. Effie is very yes, different is. than Sonny Kiss. Yeah. And Sonny Kiss is different than Still Life. And, you know, a woman like Nyla Rose is different than, you know, a woman like Caitlin Diamond. And there are, you know, these are different characters and personas and uh and performers in both in the ring and outside and, and when they're not performing outside the ring. So the more representation we see, the more understanding of where we've come from in terms of representation, to the performers of the past who had to pave the way for where we are today. And those we've lost along the way, like Chris Canyon, yeah. and and Chris Cole, who we lost to, you know, tragic situations. You know, so much of the so much of what happened, the struggle so many of the struggles that these performers deal with involve racism, misogyny homophobia, addiction, injury, uh, mental health issues. Yeah. There's so much here. And and to be up uh, to be told and every one of these performers has a different story. And each one has a different way that they approach it. I mean you talk to if you talk to an African American wrestler from, who was you know like Sonny Kiss who grew up in the, you know New Jersey State or, you know, New York State, they're their uh, experience as an African-American performer is different than somebody who's raised in the Deep South Yeah. or might have experienced more racism uh, and, and, and more intolerance. Uh, each person's going to have a different experience, and they bring that, and that unique experience is of, of great importance, and it also lends to the great diaspora of LGBTQ plus wrestlers.
0: Um, who are some of the wrestlers uh, that... Uh you're gonna have in this documentary that you interviewed that told their story.
1: Well, we've had you know, we interviewed, you know, about twenty five different wrestlers. Okay. Uh so Mike Perro is yep. in the film, Kiara Hogan is in it, Effie, Sunny Kiss, Billy Dixon, AC Mack, The Dark cheek, uh Lola Starr, uh Raza Clark, uh Iggy Mendoza Madness, uh, who is one of the promoters for Pride Championship Wrestling out of Texas. Uh, Danny Martinez. We interview Wade Keller, who is openly gay, an openly gay wrestling journalist. Huh. Uh, we have Coyo Del Mar, Paul Pratt, who uh, is an open, uh, who's a former empress of San Francisco, but also a wrestling journalist who's written for Huffington Post. And then alongside that, we've got allies and great people like you know Zach Sabre Jr. and Lisa Marie Baron. Uh, Vandal Drummond, Bertrand Bear, Pat yeah. Laprod, who you know is a women's wrestling promoter, Caitlin Diamond, who's the Ring of Honor, Charlie Morgan out of London in the UK. So there's so many. You know, we've got a variety of different performers. Uh, uh, you know, performers of color, non-binary, trans, pan, asexual, bisexual. They, you know, just a different you know it just as a variety of different performers from across all spectrums and different eras um going all the way back to you know susan's time yeah. to uh the current uh current proper performers. it's it's a very exciting time to tell the story and this is the this sort of this seems like the best time yes and the time to really let people go, you know out and uh in the, in this sense and let yeah. people
0: uh i think i think it, it is the right time for it to come out and uh it is a message that i, I think the me- i think the message and the stories uh need to be heard people need to listen and and just hear it from another side and another view uh now you're scheduled uh, i have my notes to release in spring of 2021 um yep. And, and you were on track for, for this? Are you are you still on track? How has uh, cause there's been two big hurdles. We've had a, a pandemic that I don't think anybody saw. Well, I mean that's another show altogether. But yeah. we had a pandemic coming. Uh and in the in this same genre, this same I don't know how you want to say it, but we also had uh the the you know the speaking out movement. Uh how did those two uh, create roadblocks for you guys, and, and
1: well, let let let's you know we we'll, we'll, we can back it, we can back it okay. up a little bit okay. in terms of where we first hit the problem. Uh, the you know obviously you know produce you know production issues happen all the time. Uh, we have issues with producers. The the first issue was we had filmed with another promotion okay. uh, that was uh, primarily LGBTQ plus promotion and uh, I don't want to name that individual because I don't want to give them more attention than they deserve. Okay. This is a film about people that are in my film, so I won't even mention them. Uh, let's just say that that person, we filmed with their promotion. We filmed a lot of footage. We did interviews um, as a and we also filmed at their event. Um, that individual uh, was accused of something as far back as December, and at that point, we made the decision that we were going to have to remove. Yeah, And we were going to shift the focus towards the outperformers that hadn't, hadn't had discretion against them. And these, you know, some, you know, there were accusations, but there was also other things that had come through. Tweets and emails and posts that were inappropriate, that were racist and xenophobic. <clears throat> and it led me to just say, okay, we're going to have to remove those people. Yeah. We have to remove this you know and and we found a way to refocus so we found at that point in time i had come in contact through you know once we were already preparing to edit with iggy mendoza and pride championship wrestling having run out of san antonio uh with a whole crop of out performers as a run by an out promoter in texas and had been running for eight years so for me this was a this was a far more exciting option now, and so we had made arrangements to go and have a crew film with them in San Antonio, interview some interview some of those new talents that we had that we had just unearthed via their promotion, and then we had planned on filming uh, our final footage at Eppy's Big game Brunch, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> yeah, and of course that canceled our shoots. We pivoted. Backward, uh, you know, pivoted and decided that we we couldn't obviously wait to see when another show might run again, another big game brunch, and we didn't want to wait until potentially 2021 yeah. uh, and WrestleMania weekend there and just and delay the film that much longer. Uh, it just wasn't going to make sense. So we've uh, we 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 shifted our focus to the efforts of Billy Dixon, who he had already met. At a previous shoot, and the focus became about Butch versus Gore and the importance of an event like that, highlighting so many not only out talents but BIPOC talents, and the fact that that show had a ninety percent POC performer performer rate, the LGBTQ talent, and wow. it was really important to have to see that. It was, it was, it, and it was an amazing event, and it had, you know, proved that, you know, Billy proved, along with uh, his uh, co-promoter Lolo McGrath, that they could do a show uh, that was, that was highlighting these talents. And so, that was preceding that. What would have made Effie's Big Game Brunch exciting is that it was happening during WrestleMania weekend in front of a the largest possible base. Um, so, you know, unfortunate things happened, and we figured, you know, we, we pivoted and moved with it. What we then couldn't expect was to see what would happen in May, in that, you know, starting with, you know, you know David Starr and Joey Ryan, yeah. and then, but also additional accusations to that promoter that we had and performer that we had got out of the club uh, by an additional four people. Uh, so, We were just seeing such a, you know, such a, such a, such a painful period of time of people having to, people exposing and talking about themselves, and we also had again more issues with our film in that some we had some allies in the film that were also uh, highlighted, and other performers that while we didn't necessarily interview them were featured at LGBTQ events that we had to remove, and we had to go back and cut. And so then we had to go back and shoot more interviews. Uh, once our editor got to the footage, and we went back and decided that we needed to add a little more representation. Yeah. Uh, we needed more. We needed more performers of color. We needed more female representation. We needed more trans representation. So we added those performers, and by going back and adding those performers, we were also able to ask them specifically their experience with speaking out
0: Hmm.
1: uh, component. Uh, You know, being able to ask a, a trans female performer like the Dark Sheik about being a promoter, being trans, being a woman of color as well, allowed us to really, you know, to expand. Yeah. Dark Sheik, she brings experience in ring and in promoting events, she's wonderful. She was amazing and candid and raw and blunt. And the same thing with Raza Clark, who we met briefly when we were filming in San Antonio. I was just so impressed with her and what she brought to the table in the brief interview that we had when our our crew filmed We were filming so many people quickly during that event that I made it a point of saying, I think we need to speak further with this woman and who was the right choice because she represents a segment of the LGBTQ community that we hadn't heard of being somebody who identified as asexual. Huh. And, and you know, that, that that represented something else that we hadn't heard. So it just really allowed us to reopen the film which I didn't want to necessarily do, only because of the cost involved yeah. in the, in that. But I've been blessed with having a great editor who's now a producer on the film, Brad Webb, who brought years of experience working uh, working for the company that produced all of the documentary extras for Peter Jackson and the Lord of the Rings series. Nice. So Brad, being also a wrestling fan, was able to work with me despite a you know a limited budget and. Idea and, and figure out a way to make sure that we weren't slowing the process down. We were continuing to work forward and edit them and make sure that the stories of people like Arrow and Sunny Kiss and Dark Sheik could and 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 Raisa Clark and Charlie Morgan, those those you know, the, and all those other amazing performers could be highlighted in Susan Green. And that was where we, you know, and it was Brad who came together and brought us that trailer. And edited and i think you know edited together something that I couldn't you know that i that far exceeded what i expected i i, I mean i'm i was in awe of the trailer and and, and was so excited by what brad had saw and, and realized that finally after having you know had, we had an issue with the producer that we had to film who it turned out had actually embraced uh and had joined the turf movie so we had to cut her footage that she had shot at and we had to replace artwork that we created with her partner, who also had become, you know, a, you know, and basically an enemy of the project in a way. Wow. I can't have somebody actively involved in the film yeah. who is openly and outwardly fighting against trans and non-binary it just, you know, it was not something that I knew. It was somebody that I cherished quite closely and had been a dear friend. So, all but I don't, you know, it's unfortunate these things happen, but I also think that they've helped make the project that much stronger. I was just going to say that. They've helped make the uh, the journey that much more rewarding, and that now we're going to hopefully, when this is all done, by the time we hit the end of May, beginning of June, have hopefully a really kick-ass documentary
0: i was um i i looked up i've been posting the the links in in the twitch chat hopefully hopefully we're live i can't tell but um i looked up there and i didn't put the trailer in the links i got your twitter i got your instagram i got the the, the funding link uh but i didn't the go put the... get
1: the go get funding link is a great way to see the trailer okay actually at the top of the page excellent and that'll link to that vimeo link so if they go to that go get funding link for crowdfunding they can see the perks but they can also watch the trailer and decide what they uh, they want to
0: do excellent perfect yeah because i watched that trailer and i was like oh this is going to be a great show that was good um where where do you stand right now in the process of this documentary i, I know uh scheduled for release in 2021 but where uh we're, we are
1: in, we're in the middle of the edit right now okay i mean we're assembling the edits uh, we're we're going through the archival we're putting everything together we're at about i think we've edited together about 35 to 40 percent of the film right now in terms of uh the first assembly uh we're just making sure that everything is you know flowing nicely and coming together we're uh going through you know making sure that uh everything's mixed properly and just, you know, just doing whatever we can before we hand it off, you know, get handed off to um, our consulting editor. Uh, we're we're blessed, I'm blessed to have a really great friendship with uh, Academy Award winning uh, documentary editor Doug Blush, who is kind of one of the uh, godfathers and gurus of documentary editing. Nice. He's often hired by at least 100 projects a year to help them shape and mold those projects, so we're blessed to have not only Brad, who's an amazing editor, but also to have another outside voice who's responsible for projects like Stardom, and Icarus, and just, you know, be able to bring you know, bring that to the table, you know, he that can, he can bring his expertise to the table as well. And then what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll go through a series of tests, you know, test audiences We'll see, you know, we're going to try to show it to people who have no connection to wrestling, Smart. we want to make sure that people who uh you know have you know can, can tell us what what they find compelling and what they don't find compelling go back and hopefully we get to a point where we've got you know we've got a final cut that we can then hand off to our our sound editor and you know do the color correction there's you know there's many factors involved here there's <laughs> also insurance and you know legal issues um you know we're not always able to pay for so in some cases, we have to use things like fair use, uh, which is, you know, uh, you, know, which, which is a, you know, a legal doctrine that allows mm. us the opportunity as, uh, as documentarians making commentary on a topic to be able to use that footage without having to pay you the, know, hundreds of thousands rate, of dollars. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, it's what protects journalists. It's, it's, what, it's what protects documentary filmmakers um, trying to. You know, to make critical analysis of something, and clearly, you know, we can assume that you know, I mean, you know, WWE is not going to necessarily want to have us discuss some of the fun and, 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 and those things. And but we've also made really great inroads with so many of the indie promotions. So we try as much, you know, to get permission, and and most the indie promotions and wrestlers have been amazing in terms of granting us permission, use footage and photos. And and they you know been able to, you know they see the value in having their name attached to this project, but on the other hand of the on the other hand we're we're still going to need you know things like uh, errors and in omissions insurance in order to have the film broadcast in order to have secure distribution. So mm-hmm. there's you know it's it's a it's a long process. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's a worthy process, but I'm really you know I'm Brad and I have been working together on the edit. Uh, we've been, as I said, gifted so much great archival footage and so many great images and photos, and allowed access to so many of these great independent promotions. Uh, we have the footage of some stars that have gone to, you know, gone to AEW, yeah. that have, you know, are making are making inroads around, them. and we're able to go to those indie promotions and call from their catalog, for their back catalog, and use that footage without having to constantly rely and lean on the, the fair use doctrine but you know still aware that you know we're, there's places where we're still going to have happen to
0: yeah makes sense so you 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 we're going to get it done you're going to get it there people are going to see it what is the one thing you definitely what, is, what what is the one thing you hope people will take away from this documentary
1: my hope is that you know You know, people in the know in wrestling know about these LGBTQ people in the community who are uh, LGBTQ wrestling fans know how to go out and find other LGBTQ wrestlers. I know, you know, I, you know, myself and other, you know, uh, wrestling fans who are part of the community, you know, we, we, you know, yes, we pay attention to pronoun, you know, pronoun posts, you know, Mm -hmm. he, him, they, there. Them, you know, in in, in in a Twitter in a Twitter bio or an Instagram bio, we see the rainbow flags, we see the trans flags in those bios, but not everybody does. So that's that's a group that's in the know, and we want them to be part of this journey and to embrace it. But the other group, the other part of the community, is that there are there is a segment of not just the wrestling community, but of the LGBTQ community that doesn't know how prevalent and how many outworkers are in all the aspects of the LGBTQ plus community. So we want them to be able to know more about, you know, the people within the, you know, sport that they love, sports entertainment that they Mm -hmm. love, but also that the LGBTQ community is aware that there is a place for them and that there is representation for them in professional wrestling. And beyond that, I'd like to create a film that I believe represents for them, you know, represents for the general population, exposes them to a group of fantastically talented, amazing, wonderful, funny, charming, smart, and important talents. Uh, I would like to have the film, you know, I'd like to be able to create a documentary like a Lipstick and Dynamite or Beyond the Mat that transcends yeah. um, the audience space, you know, People who embraced those films weren't necessarily professional wrestling fans. They were probably independent film fans or documentary film fans. And that's the goal of any great documentary is to make something that is so compelling that it doesn't matter what the topic is. That they'll find, you know, within our film that, you know, we'll have created something that not only is of importance to The LGBTQ plus performers in the film, the LGBTQ community, the wrestling community, but the general population. So we want to expose them to a world that they've never, you know, maybe even thought about. And that's the goal.
0: Excellent. I think it's phenomenal. I think I think it's a a, a, it's going to be a great documentary. I think uh, the message, I think people can learn. I think they need to watch it, listen, learn. Uh, educate themselves, uh, you've done a phenomenal job tonight putting over your document documentary, uh, I, I know that I'm excited for it, we've got the links in the chat, uh, but something I do at the end of, of every show is I'm going to give you the mic, you, I mean you've already done a phenomenal job, but you can put over anything you want, you can say anything you want uh, I will not interrupt, the floor is yours
1: well, you know, I just really hope that people embrace Out in the Ring, that they go to our social media channels, that they follow not only our film, but that they follow some of these out talents. You know, people like Mike Pero, who's about to debut for MLW, yep. uh, that Anthony Bowens and Legit Layla Hirsch and Diamante and Sonny Kiss are working at AEW. That We do have the, you know, the, the Tegan Knoxes and the Jake Atlases in WWE. Uh, that people like Billy Dixon and AC Mack and Still Life with Apricots and Pears and The Dark oh, Sheep yeah. and Lola Starr, that we you know that Caitlin Diamond and Charlie Charlie Morgan and Raisa Clark are out there go out of your way to take the time to learn about these people and then take maybe take a take a scroll through a, a Twitter feed yeah. and I think within that Twitter feed you're going to see. Uh, a myriad of people posting a rainbow flag and putting something in there, and that you know we need to get to a point where you know we're embracing these talents and take a look at them. I mean that's why IWTV exists. Yep. So Those independent promotions and you know fight TV, and you can watch these events. You watch these people, follow them, listen to them. They're going to be the fu- they're the future, and they're just as talented, if not more than uh, you're, you know, another performer, and we need to, as you know, as Billy Dixon says, we need to start getting to a point where we can prove that yes, an out talent can be top of the card, can challenge for titles, can sell you merchandise, can headline, you know, something like a WrestleMania or a full year and all. That. Yeah. And we need to get to a point where we're remembering also where where we came from. And where these performers came from, that we do remember that you know that Susan Green is still is still alive, and that Sandy Parker, uh, as an African Canadian lesbian professional wrestler, is there. That you know that people like Chris Paul and Chris Canyon struggled yeah. Yeah. and and that you know their legacy is so important. Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard, and Jim Barnett, uh, Pat Patterson. Let's you know let's make sure that we you know not only honor what's going on right now. And make sure that as not only members of the LGBTQ community, but as as wrestling fans in general, that we're embracing, you know, these different performers. They bring something unique and special to the game. And I hope that people go out of their way to, you know, not only find out about our film, but more importantly, find out about these performers.
0: Excellent. Excellent. you um been a pleasure to have on. You've done a phenomenal job. Uh, listen and learn. I, I, I love it. Out in the ring documentary. Uh, you know, we, we got the links in. I, I want to thank you for giving us your time. I want to apologize for any technical difficulty. I clicked record, so hopefully we have it. It will be up somewhere. Um, But thank you for your time, sir. No problem. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye. Later. Later. Yeah. Awesome. That was